Pal Comic-Hour with your hosts, Andrew Glonner and Chris Ramos. Tonight, we are going to review the uh, classic, the infamous, the one and only Mouse. Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Yes. And so we were talking in the pre-show and, you know, we've had a lot of comic books that we want to talk throughout the year. And it's just so happened that Mouse happened to be on our list. And the fact that came up was back in January of earlier this year, uh, towards February, this became a, a, a talk like a uh, national talk kind of thing. It can't, you know, it's funny because Mouse has been around for 30 years. Yeah, a little or so, over 30 years. Yeah. And we've always had it on our list and we kind of moved it around here and there and sort of grabbed other books. And, you know, it helps us kind of structure our reading schedule. And if we know what we have to tackle, um, and when, so mouse just started, uh, being brought back into the limelight, I guess is the way they say it, or the news, the news, yeah. media, you know, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, you know, it was for uh, reasons that have divided, uh, readers and, and, um, yeah. uh, historians and mm-hmm. comic book f- fans. And so we are just trying to, uh, move it up a little bit and, and, uh, uh, I guess kind of explain what some of the. Um, yeah, I, I guess because the there's still people the who are still is. finding out about this book. There's still people who are going, "What is Mouse?" And I think if we can shed some light on it and kind of help you kind of gravitate about what's going on, I think we'll do our job. Yeah. So Mouse was originally written in the uh, mid '80s. I'm sorry, um, mid '70s. Yes, and into the '80s as a serialized comic strip in a um like an indie magazine yeah, raw it, magazine yeah a, a comics magazine a lot of times um some of the non-mainstream yeah. Underground. artists yeah that's a good word right yeah. we'll we'll kind of like have this mad magazine kind of started like that sure you know a few other ones uh were just on the newsstands but they weren't a comic book per se from the top three no it was just a way for indie and um different writers and artists to get their work in front of people and it was just different outlets to do it it wasn't through like the most direct route but it was just something to get their work published yeah so kind of like you'd think the comics in a newspaper but this was for comic book readers and usually distributed just through comic book stores yeah so um so art spiegelman is both the artist and the writer of mouse and right. uh, mouse spelled m-a-u-s yes um uh, so the first volume came out 1973 and uh wrapped up 1986 yeah and then the second volume is 1986 through 1991 and if you can uh get a copy we highly suggest um always making sure you get volume one and volume two together yeah they've really packaged it in I don't know, sure, you could find ways. them separately, but it's it's prominent that you have when you go to read this book, this collection of stories, you read it as both um, one and two together. Yeah, you're going to want to make sure that the story is is the complete story. And, and um, Art Spiegelman is still alive. Yeah, um, he's his, uh, like in his late seventies, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. His his dad passed away, and um, this story. Yeah, is uh well it's taken from his dad's interviews that his son i i think his son was 
sort of a uh, natural journalist a little bit, you know? Sure. Uh, so he wanted to... Oh, yeah. And he wanted to be a cartoonist as yeah. growing up as a kid. He talks oh, about that. And his dad was like, no, you're not going to be a cartoonist. Sure. So yeah. he decided, you know, it was kind of weird when you look at Art Spiegelman's early work, he has a lot of very serious work. So mm. he wasn't just sort of, I mean, I wouldn't see him as a cartoonist. I'd see him more as like a literary illustrator or yeah. something like that mm -hmm. no he's not like doesn't want to draw like disney movies no he's he definitely was never interested in marvel or dc um he was very trying to get his point across or tells tell somebody a story um it's very social conscientious yeah stuff. serious work yeah so uh art sat his dad down who was a holocaust survivor um valdek um spiegelman and this book is both a illustrated version of his stories and his conversation, an illustrated version of his conversations with his dad. He recorded all of his sessions. Yeah. So he was able to then listen to those recordings and turn them into. Yeah. I think those audio when you recorded on the, um, yeah, his tape recorder or whatever he had, uh, I think that was pretty important and pretty smart when he's trying to make this like autobiography almost yeah. about his dad, but in a different, just publishing in a different way and doing a different mindset that really hasn't been done, or at least prominently or famously done. So Well, and it had been years. So, you know, if, if you start reading this comic and you're getting this breakdown of him talking to his dad and then his, his dad kind of saying, well, I'll tell you what's going on here. And yeah. and they decide to sit down and kind of um, piece together, I guess, art, you know, and, and us as the reader, we are more interested in how does this happen? How does the Holocaust happen? How does, sure. you know, um, uh, cap sort of the subjugation of the Jews and how does, you know, Czechoslovakia and Poland, and all, how does this sort of, breakdown and how can we not repeat that right and i guess just touching back on the conversations he had um he was the uh, i guess the most relatable part when he's talking about art art and his dad um was that he wasn't always like had a great relationship with his father at the time and it was only until that his mother passed away that they got closer and he kind of figure out, okay, what actually happened to you and yeah. things like that. And he was kind of the rebellious child, you know, growing up. So he, he was always frustrated with him and, you know, uh, just getting a better relationship with your parents. I could kind of relate with that, you know? So the book starts out, um, sort of relating that story and the, the, I, I, I just want to approach the artistic, choices yeah. that he made sure you know one of the first things that jumps out uh, to everyone is that uh mouse is for mice you know yep. so it's you you if you flip through the book you'll notice there aren't that everyone is um brought down to this animal uh anamorphic yeah. yeah one of the early anamorphic stories i guess that yeah so it's like mice and then so the jewish are mice and all of the Germans are cats. But don't get us wrong. Like this looks way different than something you would find in Disney or things like that. Yeah. yeah. It's still drawn like where the mice are wearing, you know, hats and glasses and vests and shirts and, you know, yeah. everything is, I think, drawn how you would expect 
real life to be. It's just that they have mouse heads and yep. pig faces and yeah. you know dog faces mm-hmm. and things. They kind of split it up nationality wise. So yeah, there are some times where you see French, a, yeah, and yeah, like a frog Americans, here, yeah, yeah. Americans, Americans are dogs. dogs, yeah, American dogs, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you start really falling into this and saying, okay, well, I'm reading about these mice and I'm reading like this family of mice. And and it's weird because while you're reading it, you're on one hand, visually, it's telling you that these are just mice and like the daily life of a mouse, right? And then on the other hand, the the writing is real and serious and, yeah. and you start snapping back to realizing that this is real life yeah like this was what yeah he kind of addresses that at the beginning of the book i'm like uh this is what really happened to my father <laughs> yeah and it, this is what this happened during the holocaust like it's just up front about it yeah and so it's kind of starts out of like what kind of life did his dad have and what kind of friends did he have and what was the jewish community doing when world war ii was spreading across Europe. Sure. I de- um, yeah, I, you definitely appreciate the journey of how we actually, or I guess not the journey so much, but the progression of how did we get from this, um, the, the Polish community and the Jewish community, how they were living before, kind of getting a sense of that mm-hmm. and how it progresses or degresses to going to Auschwitz and then going and going through the Holocaust and how they survived. Yeah, I mean, what got me um, with this story is that you know everyone thinks of this as you're going to open it and it's going to be all about like concentration camps. No, but you know, absolutely, yeah. Mouse, you would think that maybe towards if you look at the cover, you think about yeah. the subject content. Yeah, well, that's kind of what everyone always talks about. You know, they say, "Well, Mouse is about you know uh, Jewish people in concentration camps." Um, you don't realize that it's actually you know really, really solidly based on the the journey of these Jewish people trying to get out of, of uh, yeah, the family, yeah. trying to, to save themselves, leaving all of their possessions behind, you know, having yeah. their family and going. Mm-hmm. And for the first volume, the entire first volume, which is about half of the book here, um, is them just trying to get out of the country and trying to survive and hide. Sure. And And this book is uh, just under, I think it's about 290 pages, not quite 300. Yeah. Yeah. So like the first 150 or so is uh, the first volume of the journey. And then um, the second half is obviously when they get into Auschwitz and how they survive that. Yeah. So that's kind of the general basis of the book. Now, uh, I... We'll come back to it, but I think now is a good time to kind of jump in and just talk about why this has been in the media lately. Sure. Um, what was the school district? It was Tennessee. Uh, McMinn County uh, Schools in Tennessee. Yeah, so they decided that they were going to take it out of their curriculum. Yeah, the school board, yeah, voted on that. And, uh, yeah, it was from their uh, it's eighth grade curriculum. So it was taught like that. And uh, the reasons, do you want to bring up the quote, I guess? Yeah, sure. What do we got? But just, uh, it was very, the reasons behind it were very shocking, to say the least. Whether it was understatement or overstatement. <laughs> yeah, so the school board decided that they were going to take it out of their curriculum. And they said, we just want to make it clear. At first, they didn't really make it clear. But then everyone, like, you know, was yeah. really pressuring them to say, what are you talking about? So they said, 
we um, now they said, I want people to understand that this had nothing to do with the Holocaust and why we took it out of our curriculum. There's nudity that's not necessary. So they they took it out because of explicit language. And there is a scene where there is a dead mouse that is in the nude. Sure. Um, I, you know, as as a reader of a lot of comics and, yeah. and and just nowadays with people seeing so much on TV and so so much on Netflix and just movies and yeah, everything pop else, culture today yeah. is a little more desensitized to everything. Just being really, I, I think, uh, uh, aware of all that now. Yeah. You know, you think about when this first came out in the eighties and 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 nineties. You know, I think at that time it was a little more sensational than. It yeah, is. we're just coming off of Comps Code. Yeah, yeah. But for them to say, well, we we decided that we're going to take it out, um, it really upset the comics community, and it really upset you know the Holocaust um, survivors, and it really upset the Jewish community because the uh, the biggest I think the biggest uh, uh, gain for this book is it's the only graphic novel. To ever win the Pulitzer Prize, yes, yeah, and it's a that's a big deal. Yeah, uh, and that means it's kind of at the top of its <laughs> list, you know. And it's at it is kind of propelled it past being just a comic, and it propelled it past just being a graphic novel. Sure, you know, people saw it as a true literary piece, yeah. and which is why it gives kind of this ability to teach it in schools and yeah. give you kind of this a uh, different way of telling the Holocaust story to the um, people in school. Well, and like from my point of view, it's important to say that this is from the viewpoint of a survivor. Yeah. You know, this is, right. this is written and drawn from his son talking yeah. to his dad, who is a survivor, which and is very down to earth yeah. kind of feel to it. So this isn't, you know, diluted through some history book, right? It's not, it's not a documentary special. It's yeah. nothing that's been on the history channel. And people it's, aren't trying yeah. to pull out the, uh, more, you know, uh, uh, maybe not worldly aspects of it. Yeah. The bigger parts of it. They're not trying to make like, Oh, this is going to be a good headline here that it's just right. straight off what it is. It's just, this is what he said. Yeah. Um, it is important, I guess, just real touch on quick. This was one of the, its references, one of the big three comic books of the 80s um, alongside Watchmen, The Dark Knight, um, Dark Knight Returns. So it is super critical to just put it up there and, you know, it stood the test of time for sure. Right. So that's kind of why it's been in the news lately is because whenever a... Uh, a, a, a gathering tries to ban a book or stop a book from being published or reviewed or even brought into the school districts for new generations. Um, it kind of hits home to say, how are we able to ban any books? Right. Sure. But then it really hits home because the biggest quote that most people are pulling away from this is that the Nazis banned books yeah and, yep you know, that like, whole we uh, don't ban yeah. books mm -hmm. the nazis banned books because they didn't like the message in there and yeah you can't help but to say that there had to be something in there beyond mm -hmm. uh swear words and nudity because those seem like minor issues nowadays. right we kind of correlate it with the times and politics that we live in right so it's just kind of like uh don't do that <laughs> so that yeah so that immediately shot this book up into like the 
top seller on Amazon. Sure. Everyone said, well, if you're going to ban it, then we're going to buy it. And yeah. uh, there were comic book shops all over the country, most yeah. notably in um, Tennessee, that said, hey, if you want a copy of this book, yeah. you can buy it. Nirvana Comics. Just, yeah. yeah, here it is. Yeah, so Nirvana Comics in McMinn County, yep. where the book was banned. Yeah. Um, they originally had 10 books in the store. Mm-hmm. And they said that if you want to just come borrow the book and read it, you can do that. Well, that turned into everyone saying, I want a copy that I can own. Yeah. So then the comic book store started a GoFundMe page to buy yeah. copies. You raised of the book. over $95,000. Yeah. <laughs> this was in uh, when the article came out. Uh, I would say this is in like January. Yeah. Oh, February 1st. So. Yeah, I definitely was, think it's probably a girl on Xbox. Yeah, and it was like so quick after that happened. It, it says yeah. they raved $95,000 right. with only 3,000 donors. So that's, you know, uh, that's quite a bit. 30, pretty good. 35 bucks per person. Uh, boom, you know, and that's that's the power now that we have as yeah. the internet. And that's the power now we have as a comic book community. Yeah. Uh, um, to say, well, we want this book to be in everyone's hands. If you want a copy of it, you should be able to get it. Well, that and there's also this notion that they don't, there's people that don't want to, I guess, not acknowledge the Holocaust didn't happen or whatever. Right. But, it's a, <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I guess as you grow up or whatever, you, or you're taught different things and whatnot, but trying not to repeat history or remembering like one of the biggest points of history of human civilization, you know, it's like the Holocaust happened. Right. You can't do this again. Right. And, <laughs> so, you know, we are lucky that we have all of these mediums available to us to sort of show that and catalog it. And Absolutely. For us as comic book readers and for us as, you know, just the community and all of our listeners, you know, this is the format that you want your stories to be told because, you know, anyone can read this. Eighth graders can read this is what, yeah. what this is from, you know. Uh, people can connect to it because the story that's written in here isn't a story about like history um, per se. It's yeah. about humanity and yes. just how to treat each other. And, right. And I think it's really smart that art did change it into an anamorphic uh, mice and mm-hmm. cats and things because it helps you kind of focus on the content. The Yeah, the writing. Yeah. You know, and just thinking wow, these mice, what they're saying and how they're living and the family that they have, you can't deny that uh, no matter what race it is or what animal it is, that these are still caring individuals. And I think that's kind of why he did that. Yeah. Just pull it away from right. like, hey, look, yes, they're Jewish. They're they're Jewish mice. Yeah. But pull it away and say, this could be anyone. This could be any mouse. Yeah, and he was re- very baffled. Uh, if you watch his recent interviews from the past couple of months, he's baffled, and just because the the book got banned for the reasons it did get banned, and he's like, of all the things, nudity and profanity, like <laughs> the the fact that I took it kind of personally. He's like, this is this is crazy. What what are people thinking? You know, it's. Uh, I mean, I did write it to be educationally based, but it, it kind of happened that way, and I I think people should read more of it and acknowledge this history that happened. So what parts of the book did you, that did really stand out for you? Because the first half of it again, is just them trying to 
survive and trying to get information. Yeah. And what should they do? What should mm -hmm. they do? You know, mm -hmm. that's the big deal. So I guess to start out with, this was probably my most challenging read in a long time. Um, I would say like the heart, like besides this, like we reviewed monsters in our earlier season and that was hard, but it was different because it had superficial things going on. It was still fictitious. You Even though you had mature concepts. Yeah, like you knew in the back of your mind that this was just a fictional story. Right, and it was based on superhero concepts just twisted very differently. Yeah. And the art style was was different, but it was still a fiction. This book, you know, after you get kind of past, you know, their mouse and things like that, you get used to this art style, you really get into the story and the hardships that he goes through and it's not light reading <laughs> you yeah. think it's going to be light reading and i yeah. breeze through like the 100 pages the first 100 pages and i'm like okay you know we're, we're developing up who they are what's going on kind of the relationship with his father things like that we're starting to take this journey but as everything starts to get harder and art and not arts and valdic's life his father's life you start just kind of breaking down your mind like this is getting serious by the page yeah and you're uh, you're just seeing it page by page it just uh he does everything he can to survive and you know that it's building towards yeah you, 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 you know you where they're realize. going and you know what's going to happen yeah so you, just the how it happened it it was it was pretty uh, dramatic um so, so for me reading through it um you know i echo all of that but it was interesting because the book itself is a smaller. So, it, you know, we always talk about like oversized comic books or oversized art, yeah. larger. Oh, absolutely. So the book was smaller mm -hmm. and all of the artwork in it is like a like a thick marker or just sort of like a, a bled out. Yeah, I was going to say, is this just like pen and inks and then just yeah, ballpoint? Yeah, it's almost like... A, like almost like a small sharpie or something, you know, because some of the lines there, there aren't any really thin lines. No, but he does a really good job of just making sure that there's a, a big inking difference, you know, stark blacks, stark white. Right. And I and guess kind of the, uh, the environments, I think if he doesn't do the right job, you don't know, get a sense of place. So I think that kind of speaks to how he was doing it. Yeah. Like you, you realized where they're on a train, you realized that they were in the countryside, you realized they were just sort of, um, all lined up, you know, at the concentration camp. Um, the other thing too, is that the, the, when you quickly flip through it, it looks like it's really heavy on text, which it yes, is, it is, but you end up kind of tightening in on the panels and reading the text, like reading this little panel, the next one, little panel, yeah. next little panel, next. Like you the conversation flows well. Yeah, and you don't really need to back up from the page and look at the whole page, where that's yeah. different from comics because usually you have to back up and kind of like, oh, that's a yeah. page. Um, this one really keeps you close. So I thought it was weird because- Close like, and intimate. Yeah. yeah, I was holding it closer to me to read it. Absolutely. I think I read it in my lap yeah. like, compared to like sitting and you know, putting on a stool or something like that. Or Yeah, so the, so the book itself is, is really- um, I don't know, you can like hunker down with it on a train. You can, you know, read it in the corner of yeah. class or something. Very like accessible. That. Yep. So I know that all that had to have been purposeful because they could have made this a larger book. And it's, that's cool that they didn't. Sure. Um, I think just to piggyback off that a little bit, when during the book about the end, when 
Art starts finally going through all the tapes and recordings. He does find it kind of difficult to start scripting it. And uh, he describes that and the whole process of trying to figure out how to panel it and things like that just to make sense of it. Well, I know that. Yeah. So he had all these recordings. He's talking to his girlfriend in the book, which is kind of cool. You see this little back and forth with with Art Spiegelman talking to his girlfriend at the time and and his wife and saying, you know, I have all these interviews i don't know how i can possibly draw it because i wasn't there exactly and he, that was his big like so he's like memory blocker yeah. mind blocker writer's block of some sort he's like how can i possibly show what the inside of a tin shop in the Auschwitz yeah. would look like how and can i, I thought that was that? kind of that's startling but it's very relatable and i'm sure like how do you pass that how yeah. do you get through it and like you know towards the end of the book actually as you open into um volume two is art is drawn he drew himself sitting at his art board um with a <laughs> mouse mask on yeah so he's like he's human but he has a mouse mask on which is kind of like yeah, saying, the irony. I'm a mouse too yeah um there is that a lot while we go throughout the book or while you kind of reading through the book um he does have like this meta textual thing because he's writing about himself talking to his father so he is a character in his own book that he drew like he is listening to his recordings in the book that he took Took for the book book. (laughs) yeah yeah so it's it it does it's kind of that early metatextual stuff you know you don't see it a lot but it takes the right mindset to write and draw it and things like yeah well and like so in page 201 he talks about himself mm-hmm. and he says Valdeck died of congestive heart failure in August of 1982 um, he said then after uh, eight years of work in September 1986 mm-hmm. the first part of Mouse was published yeah that was the start of volume two yeah, yeah he says it was a critical and commercial success um, at least 15 foreign editions are coming out he's got four serious off- offers to turn it into a book um, and it was just a lot of this attention. He wanted to kind of use it as like, how can a second generation survivor connect to a Holocaust survivor? And he wanted to use it to like patch up his relationship with his dad. Yeah, you know? right. Yep. And I wonder if he was thinking at first to just sort of do this and then not publish it. You know, like just do it as like a journal. Yeah, yeah, Um, kind of a memorial to his dad. And that's the part where he starts reflecting on his dad's influence in his life and he becomes like a little kid and then he like grows up again. It becomes a little kid. It's The book is really well written for like a therapy session for him, you know, because it's a very hard topic. And he didn't want to make this book for the reason of, I want fame and fortune. Absolutely. And I think uh, later, however, I I think I've seen in his interviews and stuff, he never wanted to like uh, put it as a television show or movie or things like that. He just wanted to keep it, the book, the way it is. Yeah. He didn't want to turn it into this huge kind of sellout. Media sellout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I respect that. You know, you see that too on a lot of people who go through a traumatic experience. They'll say, well, book deal is on its way. Yeah. Um, He very specifically didn't want to do that and for as as a you know a comic book and 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 having it accessible to everyone i think it's cool that they turn it into all sorts of languages of course Mm -hmm. 
but at the yeah. same time, it's really something that leaves an impression in your mind. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I guess, uh, what, what else did you take away from this? Oh, book? uh, well, so another thing too is his dad, um, when he's talking to him about the Holocaust and he's saying, dad, you know, here, I'm here again, we're going to go interview. Let's, you know, yeah, go for a walk right, or whatever. He right? could see his health degressing. Yeah. And he wanted to get the best. So he was trying to kind of get this information out of his dad. His dad was sort of giving that information, but then you picked up on like how his dad lives now and he lives yeah. really simply. Yeah. You know, he like re he reuses everything. Yeah. Reuses, very conservative mindset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He reuses tea bags. Yeah. He takes silverware from restaurants. Uh, he returned groceries that he already opened to the grocery store. Yeah. And they wouldn't take them back. And he told him yeah. he's a survivor <laughs> yeah, of the yeah, Holocaust. Fight for it. And he got his whole six dollars back. <laughs> yeah. And and the son was like, Dad, throw this out. Yeah. And he's like, why? And he goes, because it's broken. He goes, well, I'll fix it. You yeah. know, or dad, throw this out. It's old. Yeah. His dad said, no, you know, there was a time where we didn't have that. Right. So, it's kind of the uh, mindset he developed when he was going yeah. through this journey and earlier in his life. And there was a part in the book, too, at the beginning where they were just grabbing all of their uh, belongings and just yeah. fleeing their home. And a lot of the people, whatever they had as possessions, they had to use to either bribe, Bri bribe, people, barter, sell, you know, get yeah. train tickets. Yeah, um, and and there was a part for crying. Out. Yeah, like where the um, Nazis grabbed them, and he had like a gold watch hidden in yeah, shoe polish. Shoe, yeah, yeah, on so, the shoe polish. Yeah, yeah, when they're in the camp. I was like, oh my gosh! So they're it's going to the camp. Yeah. It's just a lot that you know. The only thing that they had to sell was all their jewelry and they just they kept it really quiet because you just couldn't trust anybody they didn't know who to talk to sure and it, it kind of um when you're reading the book you you talk about uh Valdek's talking about like his father-in-law i think it was his yeah yeah you know, the factory the factory he was a factory owner at the time and um, they were very wealthy, and but they were very generous at the same time. So they would help Art and his wife, Anya, at the time. And they're doing their best to get through it and make the best of a situation. And they think, oh, it's not going to get so bad, but we're, we're, we're going to manage through this. We're going to help, you know, get you, well, get you a place to stay, get you security, food, shelter, things like that. And you, the, just the digression and um, stuff that they went through was, you know, they had to be very resourceful. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, he was a, a little fortunate because he was very quick-witted. He like, yes, he was. He adapted super fast. Right, you that's know? an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was the most adaptive person. That's why yeah. he survived. I know, and I was like, it's every time he turned around, I was like, I learned how to repair shoes because the Nazis needed their boots repaired. So I learned how to do it. Yeah, and, you know, like I'm, yeah, I had I learned skills tin. repairing the roof. So yes. I was a tin worker. So some people. Um, Unfortunately, you know, some people trauma, stress, uh, you know, being in put into a prison uh, is just too much for them, and yeah. and a lot of people, of course, just gave up. Yeah, so, it was very flight or fright. Yeah, kinda. and and so his big uh, 
I guess his big takeaway is never give up because (laughs) you never know if tomorrow is going to be freedom or next year or a year after that. Uh, Right. They said he was in Auschwitz. uh, Don't quote me, but I think it was like two years. That that sounds about right. Pretty long. But uh, at the same time, he just constantly, constantly was aware of his surroundings and knew what was changing and why. He always made a friendship or connection or relationship with those that were around him outside him and his wife. Yes. Just yes. so you would have help because he knew he couldn't do it on his own, even though he, he was very resourceful, you know, he couldn't get that so far. So I think all those connections he made and definitely helped him through the process as well. Yeah. So then there's, there's another part here at the end where I was just flipping through that his dad had um, matched, matches that he counted out so that he knew how many times he could light the burner to have make coffee. Oh yeah. When later in life, yeah. yeah when he was and, at his home. Yeah. And the son was like, I'll buy you a whole box of wooden matches. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's not necessary. He's like, I have paper matches that I can get from the lobby of the hotel for free. So I yeah. don't need you to buy. You know, Cause they had a hotel a down the box. street. Uh, he was yeah. Next to, yeah. So then he's like, I still have 50 matches left. So then after that, I can get paper matches from the hotel. Yeah. So don't buy me a box of mat. You know, yeah. It was, it was just it's a different mentality. Yeah. To the sun. Yeah. You know, it, here yeah. it is. Grew in up a, in modern society in the 60s, 70s. He's yeah. like, what do you care about matches? You yeah. know, but even though the Holocaust had already been over for 30 years, his dad, of course, it changed him. You know, it changes his mindset. And, Sure, and, he's more relaxed about certain things and certain commodities, but he's still very resourceful and he doesn't want anything to go to waste. Yeah, yeah. And and it's, you know, I think that's not like trauma from the Holocaust, but it's also just saying, you know, material items are not as important as everyone places. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. And, and, you know, you need to make sure your family is safe and that your friends are close. And yeah. Of course, I think his, you know, as as hard as he was on his son, of course, I think he was very proud that he had a son through all yeah. of this, too. Yeah, and he found a career that he was proud of and things like that, and he wasn't working super hard, but he still gave him a hard time, like, he won't go clean my gutters? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why won't he go clean my gutters? I'm like, I don't want to. Come on. <laughs> and things like that when you're growing up, like, you don't want to help your parents with certain projects or things because they're hard, but... You know, he's like, come on, don't be lazy. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, the biggest takeaway I would say from the book, aside from these like moments that you you sort of stick in your mind um, is number one. I thought this was incredibly uh, 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 rereadable. It's something that I think you can come back to every few years and just sort of refresh your mind. Yeah. Um, A lot of people wanted to pass this on and whatever copies they did have to just make sure that everyone was sort of reintroduced to this. Yeah. A lot of, I I think just a lot of people out there were surprised that there was a comic book format of this story because, Mm -hmm. you know, a decade goes by, uh, five years goes by and, and you kind of gets a little quiet and then you, you know, bringing up things just like when stuff is on, TV, they're like, oh, that was a comic book series first. Yeah, you know? very big resurgence of it. Yeah. yeah, and so I think teaching this material in schools and showing people that this format is available uh, 
for serious stories is, is super important. Yeah, so, I kind of wish we read this when I was growing up. Uh, yeah, I, I think that would definitely change, uh, definitely change the mindset for sure. So, you know, a, a lot of what you see online is, is um, breakdowns and study tips. And it's a part of book clubs. There's a lot of chapter, you know, breakdowns where you can look up like the historical references and, you know, what really happened to Hungary, what really happened to Poland. And, yeah. You know, you start it's learning in there. about that. Yeah. yeah, that these are real places. Um, of course, you can learn a lot about Auschwitz and about the people that were there and how they were transferred and what they did. So yeah, I think mouse is a really good, you know, learning uh, about human suffering and struggling, but also just, I think it's a really big win for comics and the comic book medium too. Yeah. It still stands the test of time. It's, it's maybe it's a, it's a challenging read and things like that, but it's definitely worth it. Um, pick up a copy, read it physically um, yes, uh, if you look through the internet, you can find it, but we really recommend you read this physical copy however yeah, you can. Absorb it in your own home. And we read um, The Complete Mouse, which is a hardcover edition showing uh, volumes one and two. And it's, I think this is the copy to have. Uh, yeah. Cover price is 35 bucks, but you can find it all sorts of places as it's coming back into stock because yeah uh, amazon ran out which is great uh Uh, we want to get this in as many hands as we can sure and if you have the ability to talk about with people talk about it it's definitely something worthy of discussion still and you know it was kind of ironic when this whole thing happened it was right around holocaust remembrance yeah and which is sad but yeah it's it it is what it is and you know something we shouldn't forget and something we should just keep moving on with so mouse is definitely a great book and it still stands test time it's iconic definitely definitely yep and this is wrapping up another episode of band pow comic with your hosts andrew glonner <laughs> and chris ramos signing off